0: Hello, thank you so much for downloading this. What is it? It's the Two Shot Podcast, a brand new podcast, something you didn't think you need, but you actually do. I'm Craig Parkinson, and this is the first episode, it's all very exciting. Producer Griff has got a big, big smile on his face. Yappy, very happy he's put his hands up in the air because we've got the one and only Vicky McClure uh, as the premier podcast for this um, it's a really lovely chat. We sit down in her kitchen in Nottingham. Uh, I do have to apologise, first of all, for my throat. I'm getting over a bit of a cold, and there might be a bit of hay fever in the air for me. It's not always going to be like this. Uh, I will have nicer tones, I promise. Uh, but what you want to do, you want to hit it, you want to subscribe to this each week. We're going to be bringing lots of different actors coming in, having a nice old sit-down chat with me. Um, you can go on Twitter, Follow us at two shot Pod. That's the same for Instagram. Also, follow us on Facebook, if you like. You can also get in touch the old-school way. Not a pen and paper, but email. Uh, what is the email address? It's Two TwoShotPod at gmail.com. Um, and then go on to iTunes or whatever provider you get uh, the podcast from and say something nice, yeah? The world's a bit shit. Say something nice. Um, and also, at the start of this podcast, I... Give Vicky a couple of presents. I don't know if I said one of them was some post breakfast tea and the other one was little variety packs of cereal. Cause if you don't know something about Vicky McClaw, she loves a good cereal. Look, sit down, strap in, wherever you are at the gym, you walk in, listen, enjoy. It's Vicki McClure on the Two Shot Podcast.
1: Slip slops on.
0: Slippers on all right we're good so here we are with our slippers on nice yeah. and comfy so we start there um now i know that you like your cereal oh yeah so i've brought you a little present
1: oh shut up yeah. oh. <gasps> uh, oh my god crazy! i couldn't
0: find um
1: i like all this, of those. i couldn't find
0: the cereal with a leprechaun on
1: oh the lucky charms what
0: i thought you know variety is a the spice alike.
1: life it. that is the variety
0: and i got this oh no that's my tea. Got you some nice oh, breakfast tea.
1: Everyday brew.
0: Well, I thought it'd be nice if you come around somebody's house. I'm
1: telling you what, guys, if you're doing this podcast, do it because there's gifts. It's not going to
0: happen to everybody.
1: Oh, is it not? No, oh, no. Oh, no. special. Oh, thanks, Craig. It's all right.
0: So, um.
1: Well, that's me sorted for tomorrow.
0: Or this afternoon, or your tea tonight. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. I do like a cereal at night.
0: Um, so me and producer Griff have come here to lovely sunny Nottingham. Um, we're in your kitchen. Yeah. Um, and it's Vicky McClure. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you? I'm
0: very good. All the better for seeing you. Yeah. Um, so why did I want you on this podcast? Is probably what you're asking, do you yeah.
1: Think.
0: Why? Why? Because you're interesting and you're a top actor, and no, I think people no, want to no. know a bit more, right? Um, you tell me about when you were growing up because you've lived in Nottingham all your life, apart from a little time in London, which I had,
1: yeah. Haven't. So yeah. tell me
0: about when you were growing up in Nottingham. Because acting wasn't really your first thing, was it?
1: No, I danced from the age of three. I actually started dancing on my third birthday because I was watching my sister dance through the curtains and she was two years older. So I was desperate to do it and they said, you can't do it until you're three. So I started on my birthday and I absolutely loved it. I loved performing. That was my thing. I loved. And, you know, even at home, just like doing dances, you know, overly confident, all that kind of stuff. Annoying, probably, more than anything, <laughs> which obviously hasn't changed. Um, and then when I was and then at the dance school, they actually got a drama class, which, bless their hearts, wasn't, you know, going to sort of go anywhere or, or make any make any sort of movements do you know what I mean yeah just sort of like let's pretend to do this and I enjoyed it but I needed more and then I found out about the workshop when I was 11 they gave the forms out at school and I took it home and my mum was like you know you're already dancing three four times a week we're doing festivals we're doing this we're doing that you know I was a busy kid if you want to do it you fill the form out because that's going to be another commitment you're going to have to you know so I filled it out I went for the audition and I didn't get in.
0: What with the audition what what did you have to do for the audition? So
1: there's probably about 30 kids and you sit in a circle and then you just like get up and do improvisations. So it is re- it's a real free for all, you know, and there's always wor- old workshoppers there so you've got a vibe of what kind of place it is and and you know, it's it's a great laugh. Like it's not it's not a nervous thing. I mean, kids are nervous anyway because they know that they want to get in. So, you know, there's always that sort of like nerve, but there was just a lovely vibe down there that I just really tuned into straight away.
0: Quite a supportive vibe. Yeah, just like
1: you know? I think there's for me cuz you know, I think it's really important that we have drama at school. Cuz I particularly enjoyed drama at school because I wasn't massively academic. So, to have the option of that class was it meant a lot to me. Mm. But it's a difficult place to express yourself creatively because you're in a classroom of people that some people don't really want to be there. So they're not going to be as supportive if you decided to think, oh, my character might cry now or oh, my character might do something really daft. But then you don't want to look like an idiot in front of your schoolmates because it's a different dynamic. Mm-hmm. Whereas at the workshop, everybody was in the same frame of mind. Everybody was there to support you. Everybody wanted to be there and was encouraging one another. Um so it was difficult, do you know what I mean, doing that at school and you couldn't I couldn't get as much out of it. But then I didn't get into the workshop the first time. And then through the grace of God or whatever, um somebody dropped out and they rang me and said you've got a place. So usually what they do for the workshop is they have this massive party and they welcome in this new group of of kids and it's like a disco and you know there's a talk shop and all wow. that kind of stuff. But because I came on my own, it didn't happen. So I was just told, to "Come down to you know Stony Street at five o'clock on the Tuesday," and that was it. And it was petrifying because I was eleven. Yeah. And there was just this whole new group of people that were already in, you know, got their mates, got their thing, you know. Did they just...
0: seem? Did you feel that they seemed much more sort of super confident than you did? Or?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was absolutely shitting it because you know I didn't know anybody and. You've then got to prove yourself and be like, yeah, I am worthy of my place here, and you kind of want to overcompensate, maybe. Yeah. Um, but Ian Smith, who, who you know doesn't run it now, but ran it for the for the ten years that I was there, just has an ability to allow children to just be themselves and the ability to not feel self conscious because that's the first thing with any job, you know, and even to to today. You know, I'm conscious of certain choices I make. And it's hard because you just, you just want to, like, be free to be to do something without having people go, oh, that didn't really work cause it hurts you. You'd like, kind that of kind of all.
0: happens the more you grow up because you're going back to saying that, that kids, there was no competitive streak at the workshop yeah. because they were so supportive. But kids are free. Yeah. They don't really yeah, have yeah. that.
1: It's like a battle so between the older I get, the less I care. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. The older the get, I, the less I care about things that I cared about as a kid. But the older you get, and obviously with, you know, the work that keeps coming, you kind of go, well, I've got to be as good or, if not better, than my last job. And that's the pressure that is, you know, is daunting. It's horrible because you're just going, I'm just trying to just, you know, carry make on. a living yeah. and, and enjoy what I do and carry on. And find, so,
0: keep finding that passion, I suppose. Yeah. So when you were 11, did you, when somebody said... An improvisation. Did you understand what that meant?
1: Yeah, because it was kind of like it, it was said in a way that made sense. So it's like you know, right? Basically, you're all going to get into pairs, and you know, you're all going to sort of there's like typical dramas that we do. <clears throat> excuse me. Like your mum's just gone out, and you've you've not allowed to have your mates round, and then all of a sudden your mate comes round and and like smashes this vase that's been in the family for you know years and years and then the mum comes home. And that was like a scenario. You all have to play it out. And it's just like, that is like basically saying, let's play teachers to your friend, which I loved doing all that as a kid. You know, I enjoyed pretending and and playing shops and all those kind of things. And that's what it felt like when I got down there. Obviously we got into the nitty gritty with plays and, um, you know, we'd use different techniques and, you know, we had the, we had certain bits of equipment to make Little films, take a camera out.
0: Wow! You know? At what age was that?
1: Oh, from from that age. Like, I mean, we obviously we were too young to be doing it on our own, but we'd have people with us that would. I remember shooting something where we'd we'd. Uh, I can't remember what the full story was, but my character committed suicide and we sh- t- we did a shot of me like at the top of a car park and then the next shot was me like full- on the floor and the amount of people that were coming up to us going, is she all right? <laughs> and I was like, oh God, this is just a film. Just- <clears> and it was, you know, it was probably like terrible. The quality was probably awful, but we just had the option and the, you know, the equipment to do it, yeah. It was great.
0: And not a lot of kids have that. Certainly when I was yeah. growing up, the only avenue I had was... Drama class at school, which wasn't really fulfilling, yeah. and then amateur drama groups, which I got asked to leave. But that, <laughs> that, that's another podcast in itself. <laughs> um, but my wife used to teach kids when she was like 17, she'd teach young kids just going back to children. Yeah, and she would talk about their dreams and say, Right, let's get together, talk about your dreams from last night. And then she would get them in groups to act out each other's oh, dreams that's great. because kids. I just They're just so accessible with that. So yeah. they already are the best improvisers.
1: Yeah. They've got an imagination that is wild. You know what I mean? We watch things and go, oh, that's a bit far-fetched. But it, it's great because that's what we love. We love stuff that's, you know, sometimes if it's if it goes up over the realms of being reality, then it turns into a fantasy. And mm. you've got to take it for what it is. Yeah. You know, and that's what kids do. And that's what I was lucky enough to be a part of for 10 years. 10 years you
0: did that for? Yeah,
1: 10 years. is the workshop workshop. still going now? Yeah, it's going now. It's being ran by Nick Harvey. So Ian's retired. But Nick was at the workshop from the age of seven until he was 21. So he's got, you know, all the knowledge in the world and he's spent a lot of time with Ian. Um, And he's got to make it into his own thing as well. You know what I mean? He can't just try and just keep it going as it was. He's got to reinvent it in some ways. Um, but it's still exactly the same concept. Um, you audition to get in, thousands audition. There's only so many places. The only difference being is um, I didn't have to pay.
0: But you do now. But you
1: do now. But there is certain things. So if, say, you can't afford at all, then there'll be certain people that can do, like, sponsorship or, you know... Sorry, that's my my boyfriend whistling to the hi (laughs) johnny um so yeah there's certain things that you know so basically nobody's ruled out you know what i mean if you're rich you're poor you're this you're that it doesn't matter it's like an open arms the workshop and and that's why it's created i think such incredible actors because nobody doesn't matter where they came from what their background was you know we, we know samantha morton had a really tough upbringing and yet, the workshop saved her in many ways, yeah. and she didn't have to pay, so it wasn't like, "Oh, I'd love to go to that, but I can't afford it."
0: But even so. now, what you're saying is, even though they've they've brought in,
1: it's not extortionate. It's, it's... not like it's not like drama school. For no, me. It's, it's like it's realistic. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, we all, we, we, I think we live in a world now, and where even if you haven't got much money, there is the you know option for you to go and get alone or to you know get it on uh what's the word get it on hp yeah. and all that kind of stuff and i've got problem with people doing that i think every you know if you can afford to pay it off then there's no reason why you shouldn't have a decent SETI or you know if, you, if you're happy to do it then do it and i think it's not like it's unaffordable um because it's not extortionate it's not thousands of pounds a term I don't which, know what the what the fees are, but I know that you know. Well,
0: you're looking at you know nine or ten thousand pounds a year for drama school at the moment.
1: Well, I auditioned for Italia Conte, which is a massive stage school in London.
0: And what what age were you when you? I was
1: that? fourteen, I think. Um,
0: and how long? And so you'd been at the workshop for three years there? Been
1: at the workshop for three years, loved it, still dancing. Um, so doing both. My dance teacher had said to my mum, "I don't think." Um, there's much more we can do with her here because they could just tell I was, you know, wanting more.
0: So... Was the dancing taking a bit of a a sidestep to the acting or...?
1: Yeah, in a way, but I hadn't quite realised it that 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 was the case at that point. I just loved dancing, I loved performing, I loved acting, I loved everything, I loved um, the theatrics of it all. So going to a stage school would have combined everything. Do you know what I mean? So then I could have been doing... That all day, every day. Yeah. You know, the only thing you did like English and maths. You know, twice a week. It wasn't like school. Whereas every other every Sounds day, perfect, yeah, it, it? did. Yeah. And yet, I did the audition. Um, I had to sing a song, so I sang Salakoo. I can't even say it now. <laughs> <laughs> How do you say it? What was it? Yeah, Mary Poppins. Super well Yeah. Me. I sung that. I had to do a tap dance, a modern, a ballet. I had to read you know, some sort of sight read, some theatre and and it was just crazy. And I got in, I got the place and it was the first year they'd stopped doing grants. So we had a year to find the funds and through every single possible avenue, we tried, you know, lottery funds, council, friends, family, you name it. My mum and dad tried everything and it was too much. And I didn't go, because of the money. Now, hindsight, I'm very glad I didn't go. Yeah. Because I'm glad at the way things have turned out. Um,
0: but I suppose but, at that, that age, you don't know. Oh, that age. Absolutely to be fair, and yeah. that was the avenue.
1: But I was really clear that mum and, and dad had tried. You know what I mean? So I wasn't like some sort of spoiled, annoyed little brat going, I want to go. It was like... I know I've got enough to fulfil me here, going to the workshop and doing my dance classes. Um and it was heartbreaking to see my mum and dad like, you know, try everything they could to get me there.
0: Um That's so supportive of your mum and dad. I know. Now, what just going back to your mum and dad, what did what did they do for a living?
1: So my dad's a joiner. Um my mum. Has had all sorts of jobs, so she's been a hairdresser, she was a stay-at-home mum for some of our childhood, she worked at shops, offices.
0: So no theatricals? No, she did her.
1: chaperone for a bit. She did She did um, chaperone some of the workshop kids. Oh, did she? Yeah, she got quite involved in that and really enjoyed it. Cause she enjoys, you know, what listening to what I do and got got quite involved, but didn't do it for for that long really
0: and your sister with her dancing because obviously that spurned you on what, yeah. what did your sister go did she pursue she that did... anyway
1: no she didn't she didn't really enjoy it as much as I did it didn't sort of fulfill a passion in that way my sister's an incredible mum and she's just like a flipping workhorse honestly she's she's like my inspiration because she she grafts do you know what I mean and I see her grafting and and you know, I can only hope that even when I'm like downtime, I'm always doing something. Yeah. Because I'm surrounded by people that just work hard, you know, earn a, an honest living. And Although all she that is that. very funny, she is very funny. <laughs> I mean, she should have her own talk show. Um, but no, if she didn't pursue the same the same career. None of my family have. I'm not from a theatrical background at all. Really. But
0: how brilliant that you had a passion when you were young, and being in this certain area in Nottingham, mm. you had outlets I and know. You, were, you were supported not not only by your family but by the workshop
1: yeah i am very looking and you know i know i bang on about nottingham all the time um but i just i am passionate that it's you know it's it's an amazing city that is quite small um that doesn't bang on too too loudly about you know what an amazing place it is and, and what it, you know you can get out of the city And places like Manchester and London and and Liverpool and Glasgow and all these incredible places that have got masses of great pop history and, and, you know, stardom that's come out of it and all that kind of stuff. It's brilliant. But we also have that and we have it in bucket loads. I just don't think we sort of shout too loudly about it. I think we're quite a modest city in that way. And... That's kind of made me who I am in some ways. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I don't brag, really, because I feel a bit awkward doing it. You know what I mean? If I get something that I think, God, am I really getting that? Like, when I'm on the BAFTA, you know, I genuinely stood on that stage, like, I can't believe this is happening. This is the best day of my life. (laughs) Like, what the fuck is going on? You know, because it was just balmy. Yeah. I never expected it in a bajillion years. Wow. So... Yeah, I think I think it's because of where I'm from and the people that I'm surrounded by that I'm, you know, going to stay who I am yeah. for the rest of my life because, you know, I'm not going to change because the industry, you know, is different to what I grew up in.
0: So. so around 94, that was probably the Italia Conti thing, because that's yeah. kind of when they stopped the Grants, yeah, 94, yeah. back yeah. in the 94.
1: Actually, it'd be a bit later than that, because I think I started school at 94, so it'd probably be, anyway, it doesn't matter, 96, something like right. that. Right. Yeah.
0: And uh, when you felt that you you weren't going to go to Italia Conti, what was the, the route? Did you carry on back at the workshop then?
1: Yeah, so I'd already... I'd not left the workshop. I'd just... <coughs> excuse me. I'd just... Gone for this audition and that was fine. And then didn't, you know, we just never found the funds. So I just carried on as normal. But then only a year after, that's when Shane Meadows came to the workshop to audition for A Room for Romeo Brass. Right. Which was just bizarre, the most bizarrist audition. One, because I didn't really know who Shane was. Shane obviously didn't have the name that he does now. So I didn't really think it was that much of a big deal. You know what I mean it was like we we had a lot of auditions a lot of the time. we was lucky that at the time we'd got things like i t v studios and there was a lot of children's t v back then yeah Wolf, and you know um, oh God, I can't think there was loads was you know children's what I mean?
0: Ward still going at that time, or was that
1: probably yeah. that kind of thing it was like Bernard's watch and you know lots of like T- children's TV with the need for a lot of child actors. So the workshop was always looked out for stuff like that. So we were quite used to auditioning. And then Shane came down to audition some kids. And the way the workshop works is there's this, there's the under 11s, so it's 7 to 11, then there's the 11 to 16s, then the 16s and overs. So at the time I was in the 11 to 16s. We'd done an audition, he'd sort of like limited it to a group of people that he'd liked from that audition and then did, like, a second audition with a load of us. But I was the only one in that second audition from the 11 to 16s auditioning with the over-16s who just scared the life out of me because they were all amazing and older and just brilliant. So you just go, you know, I I don't want to do it. It's too scary. So I went, obviously, and I was so nervous that I just... They were pulling out some brilliant performances, really like confident and just giving it everything they got. was this
0: quite improvisational sort yeah, of bass? Yeah, all improvised,
1: yeah. yeah. And Paddy Considine came with Shane. And so we did some improvisations with Paddy, who we know is just, you know, at, at that kind of stuff, you just go in, this guy's amazing yeah. and hilarious. Yeah. And I've got to try and keep it cool. And so I was so nervous that I was really quiet and just didn't, really like do anything much I just sort of responded reacted if you like and somehow it got me the bloody job
0: that's probably the best thing you could have done. exactly
1: because if I'd have gone in there and thought oh you know let's try and blow the roof off and be big and bold and overdo it overthink it um and then I did a you know the Shane Meadows job and as they say the rest is kind of history because it was because of Shane that I'm where I am now
0: so in a way...
1: And because of the workshop.
0: The workshop was your drama school.
1: Oh, yeah. Because
0: I, I don't know any other sort of training, even at drama school, you know, when you're 18 plus, certainly for for children, where you're covering improvisation, you're covering television mm. scripts, you're covering theatre,
1: all we did, sorts. We did, um, we did Shakespeare. My last theatre play at the workshop was Measure for Measure, and I played Isabella. It's a hard play. It's a hard play. And I remember saying to Ian, like, why are you giving me this role? I don't understand this. I, I didn't really bother to study it that much at school. You know, when we was doing Romeo and Juliet, I enjoyed the film with yeah. Leonardo. Leonardo. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Buzzing to watch that for a day, you know. But to actually explore the text, I, there wasn't that passion there. Anyway, then I sat down with Ian and we went through the text and the passion that I got from that script and from the language and from you know doing a Shakespeare play, and then managing to pull it off, and we did it as a promenade theater, so it was very workshop, it was very different. We yeah. sort of it was at the galleries of justice, so we had like a real courtroom, and you know wow. the the audience followed us around, and it was one of my proudest moments because I understood it, and I enjoyed it. You know what that I mean? is
0: incredible because that is tough. And what yeah. age were you there? How old
1: are you? 21. God. Yeah.
0: So, when, Sorry, just going back, when you say 16 and over? You know, yeah. when Shane came so into position? To vision. 21. To 21. So you
1: have to leave at 21. So once you hit 21, you've got to go. So I did. And, you know, if they'd have said, oh, we've extended it to 25, I'd have stayed. Yeah. And, you know, I'd, I'd be petrified to go to workshop now because I just know how great the kids are and I'd just be. I I don't know, I'd just be nervous, I never would. And do you pop back? Yeah, no, I do, yeah. Yeah, no, Ian made me go down with my BAFTA once and I had to, like, carry it through town. <laughs> I was like, this is so weird. Like the cross but, on your back. Yeah, but it was, you know, it's like the only place I'd want to go down and say, guys, look, you can do it, because I genuinely never thought or even planned or worked towards, you know, it wasn't like, right, I must work towards getting a BAFTA. You don't work like no. that. You just hope to God you get work, hope to God it's decent work and you get to work with nice people and the scripts are great and then happy days, next job. So, you know, to go down there and sort of say to the guys, just keep doing what you're doing. Stay true to who you are. You just don't know what might come from it.
0: Exactly. You know. So, when, um, did you, when around that time during Romeo Brass, did you ever contemplate going, right, well, I think I'm going to go down the formal route and do three years at drama school. Was that ever on the table
1: for you? i have never... No, I'd never considered it. I mean, you know, RADA, Central, Guild, they were all... I was aware of what they were, but I know in my gut it never interested me because I knew I enjoyed Workshop w- way too much. Um and well, also, it sounded like to leave it.
0: you were being fed everything from the workshop.
1: Yeah, I didn't need to go. I didn't feel like I was missing out on certain skills. Like, sometimes, you know, I, I know that, say, like, accents, you know, we never studied accents. We never sat there and, were like, you know, Tuesday night session, right, we're all going to learn how to speak Cockney or we're all going to learn how to speak, you know, with a Liverpoolian accent or whatever it might be. We didn't. We just didn't. And sometimes they were crap. And sometimes somebody really nailed it. But it wasn't like a test. Do you know what I mean? It it was like, right, Vicky, you're going to do... We're doing a play called Essex Girls. Right, so we all need to have an Essex accent. Now, it's not like, oh, you're not going to get the job because your accent's terrible. You just did the job. Yeah. You know what I mean? There wasn't any, like, pressure on nailing it. It was all about nailing the, you know, the, the... The reality of what you're saying and the believability of your character that is what we concentrate on at the workshop is making it completely believable and the truth and the truth and that's what i will continue to do for the rest of my career because that's all i feel is the right thing for me to do like i've done things where they've been bigger and you know less realistic and i enjoy having a go but the thing i enjoy most is improvising the truth
0: it's so refreshing to hear that you had such a foundation like that cuz i mm. don't know i don't know any other kids that can have that
1: no i think i do think there are places out there I, I do i i hope that you know there's some special little drama group tucked away somewhere that we're just not privy to because you know it's expensive to um fund them it's expensive to publicize them it's expensive that's the problem things are expensive but it's then trying to get those kids that are in those little drama groups that are probably creating gold somewhere... Yeah. ..to then get seen by casting directors or agents when they haven't got a body of work or, um, you know, a degree in acting. Whatever that entails. Well, whatever that means. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I do, I do think there's more out there. It can't just be the workshop. No. Do you know but what I mean? The,
0: but I think... Because the workshop has built such a reputation, kind of quite quietly, it hasn't been all bells and whistles and flying the flag, look at us, look at us. No. They've just built it up over the years, right back from when Sam was there. Yeah. Uh, And it's still carrying on today.
1: It is, and I've um, I've recently done a play at Nottingham Playhouse, the start of this year, and we had some workshoppers in it. And I was just like, oh God, I just know I'm going to have... The most amount of fun, because I know there's not going to be any any egos. Not you know, not that I should expect that they would have been, but I just know what kind of workshop people are. They're confident, they're supportive, and they're bloody talented. Yeah, you know, and that's exactly what that that was. You know, these there was a couple of guys from the workshop that were still in workshop. Do you know what I mean? So they would go into workshop that night and I was like, oh, I'm so jealous. And they're going, oh, should we play this game for a, you know, for a warm up? And I was buzzing because I was like, I haven't played any games. You know, we always played games. It was always like silly little games we'd play just to warm up. Yeah. And um, I loved it.
0: And so after Romeo Brass, did you feel with that first film under your belt, did you think, right, that's it? I thought,
1: Craig, I was Julia Roberts. (laughs) (laughs) genuinely was like bye
0: bye nottingham
1: bye bye i am gone look at this i was 15 yeah i was in a film um i'd been paid you know like looking back it was like you know at that time i was like a millionaire it wasn't very much at all it was a very small independent film so it was balmy and then I found out that it was at six cinemas across the country. <laughs> I six. thought it was everywhere. You know what I mean? I thought it was everywhere yeah. in my head. I'm in a film, so it's it's everywhere. I don't understand the industry. I don't have a clue about distribution, any of that sort of stuff.
0: Well, I know um, it was definitely at the Turnpike Lane Coronet oh, Cinema because that's where I <laughs> saw it. And I was the only one in the cinema. Oh,
1: no! It was just me. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah, yeah. God, how strange is that? Yeah. Yeah, and ba- I'll never forget to to because I've never seen year. a
0: poster with a big pair of blue underpants yeah, on. It was a great
1: poster, wasn't I it? thought it was
0: fantastic. Yeah. Definitely wanted me to yeah, see that. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, no, brilliant poster. And a brilliant film. Yeah. I loved Romeo Brass. I loved I loved being in it. I loved watching it. Um, I love the fact people still go back to it because they enjoy Shane's work and it, you know, and it's got that real sort of um it's got a beautiful story, but it's dark and it's funny and it's it's got shame written all over it.
0: You know what I, I mean? I don't even it's, think it has you know, when people look at uh, people's work, whether it's acting or they're, or they're looking at the films as their director, it's got a raw quality. Yeah, and, but I don't thinking. think it does have a raw quality. I think it's got a real... Professional quality, the yeah. story is laid out, the characters...
1: But Shane doesn't need huge budgets to no. make to make anything, really. You know, he's like...
0: Oh, no, I've seen his shorts.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but that's it. He doesn't, you know, he just he just does what he does. He knows exactly what he wants to do and he doesn't need a massive budget to do it. And he didn't on Romeo Brass. But like you say, it doesn't look like it's a poor film. No. It's just like he's captured a certain story visually... And, um, you know, it's still as cinematic as, as, you know, some of our other great, you know, films yeah. that we all thoroughly enjoy. So
0: no wonder you thought you'd do the Roberts and not genu- it. So yeah, then- but
1: you do. You're at school. Everyone's yeah. like, oh my gosh, to the cinema. And I'll say, oh my, gosh, oh my And then nothing. <laughs> and nothing. Zero. Then zero, like literally zero. Um, went to college for four months that didn't work. And didn't what we
0: did what did what did you do at college? Drama. Oh, drama. Yeah. And that was based here.
1: That was here. Um you know, I, I at the time I was a bit annoyed because I remember my grades, my GCSE grades weren't great. So I had to either retake my maths or my English. I was obviously going to do English. Never going to retake maths. No. But, um
0: I didn't even turn because, up for my maths.
1: No. Well, I didn't turn up mm. for my uh, my second English. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz I left after four months. <laughs> Because it just, again, it was like I was still at the workshop and I was going to a drama class at college, uh, which just didn't fulfil me as much as the workshop. So it just seemed silly. And I just thought, you know what, I'm broke. I'm doing a course that I don't really need and doesn't really work for me. And because I didn't have great grades, they didn't put me on the better course. They put me on the sort of crapper course. The foundation. The foundation. And it was just like, I've done all this because I've done it with workshop. So I left and went to work at H Samuels.
0: A natural progression, I think. natural
1: progression. Yeah. Learned how to pierce ears and change watches and batteries in watches and um, sell people jewellery.
0: So this is... At what age were you now?
1: So I was 16.
0: But you were, so you were still at the workshop, but you so were... So still
1: at the workshop. Moonlighting to at H Samuels. Um, I tried college. It didn't work. I went to H Samuels. I stayed there for two years. Um had an agent. I was with what is independent now, which was ICM. Um, so I was with a massive agency uh, to say I'd not really got an awful lot of experience. And they were putting me up for this and that. And I was trying it and making my way to London on my own at 16. Petrified. Absolutely petrified. Not getting any work. I got a job. This will make you laugh. I got a job when I was 17 called Tough Love where Adrian Dunbar played my dad. Did he? I do know that. I do know that you did say that. And Ray Winston and him, it was like a cop drama. Um, And Sam... Riley. Riley played my boyfriend. That's right. Um, And it was a tiny, tiny job for me. And uh, I did that. didn't really do anything. I went to work at other jobs, Dorothy Perkins. Um worked in a tanning shop. And
0: because a lot of your foundation, your background with the workshop had been improvisation, how did you feel when you were given sides for auditions or indeed for that job? That well,
1: you... we were quite used to, we were used to using text. Right. Because we do we do plays all the time. Right. So there was always um, something to work towards. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. uh, we'd write our own plays. Um, we'd do you know, very famous plays. We did Equus once, you know, which is the most random play. Yeah. And we made it even more random because we set it in a circus. And I played the horse. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it was barmy. And we did Hiawatha. I played Mini ha, ha in that. It was, you know, we did such an eclectic choice of plays. It was... We was always looking at text, and we was always having to learn lines. And we have to... What you have to do in the workshop, you have to audition. You have to audition every single year to stay in the workshop. Um, So you have to pick a monologue and you have to perform it in front of the whole group. And then let's say you've not learnt your monologue or you've not um, nailed it, then there's a chance you can lose your place.
0: So, you've got to you've keep grafting. Yeah, so yeah. you've got to
1: keep grafting. So, and they, he'd always say, don't go to the library and pick up monologues for girls, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like look at just like find one that's quite short, you know, a bit depressing, yeah. boom, that'll do. Um, but he did. And that was always really petrifying because also you don't want to lose your place, but it's having the potential to lose it that makes you want to hold on to it yeah. even more, which is great. Yeah. Um, so we were quite used to doing text. I was quite, that was all right, the script side. But, um, as we know, Craig, lines and lines of duty is hard.
0: Yeah, I mean, speaking <laughs> of that, I mean, do you prefer get, getting a script? Or do you prefer getting, like, say, three lines, saying, this is kind of what your character is. Yeah. Go on, go forth and...
1: it's It's a tricky one because... Say with something like, if you compare This Is England and Line of Duty, they both have the desired effect, do you know what I mean? They're both high-end drama, but you couldn't improvise Line of Duty if you tried, because we don't have the police knowledge. As much as we like to think we do now, we don't. (laughs) We just don't. So... It's not something that would work with that kind of idea, with that concept, with with those characters. Whereas with This Is England, if Shane tells me a line and I try and shoehorn it in, it sounds like I'm shoehorning it in. Yeah. So he kind of... He doesn't do that. He'll give you an idea of where the scene's going, what he's trying to get out of it. And also everybody around you is really supportive. So say people like Joe Gilgan, who, you know can improvise anybody completely under the I can't think of the phrase I'm trying to think of (laughs) but anyway we get the gist we get the gist you know that you're going to get gold from him so you know I would never try and overperform if I'm in a scene with Joe because I know that he's just going to absolutely nail it and my reaction as lol will suit exactly what we're doing do you know what I mean try not to feel like if there's a gap or if there's a silence don't try and fill it just react to why ever that silence is there. And I love doing that. But I also love working with great writers where you just go, I can't wait to deliver that line. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And have a few pops at it as well. Yeah. Because with, say, Line of Juicy or, or big dramas, you have got that ability to be able to go, can we go again? Because I know I can do that better. Or I know I want to do it differently. Yeah, And that's what's great about script.
0: But in a way, the core of it is, I suppose what you're saying is, when you're improvising you're as good as who you're improvising with
1: oh my because god because you
0: you're just constantly listening and that's the same even when you've got a specific thing well look,
1: you know like this you know and i don't i don't think it's anybody's fault so much but i find auditions really hard because the person you're often acting with can't act yeah and i find that really challenging because i am an actor that likes to react do you know what i mean yeah. i, I, I I have so much faith in the actors that I work with and so much respect and so much, like, admiration for them that when they're giving me something, it it makes me want to give them something back. And that brings out a better performance in me and it brings out a better performance in them. So, you know when you're trying to get a job... (laughs) ..you really want, Uh, and you think, right, on paper, that's my job, I know I can nail it, I really want to do it... There's nothing like that, you know, it's like, it scares me a bit, so that's good, and yeah. there's this, and there's a challenge in there, and whatever. And then you get in the room, and you're faced with a producer and a casting director, the director, somebody else that's been brought in just to, to read the lines for you. And they're just reading the lines for the 10th time that day.
0: Probably bored out of their heads, yeah. So
1: they're not going to give you what you're going to give them. So you feel like, one, you feel you may be overacting... To you've not got much to play with, yeah, so it's really hard
0: to find that balance because you do you could be overcompensating yeah. for something else or somebody yeah. else, exactly. Um, where are we going now? I see there was a question that I was going to ask you, oh, yeah, about kids in this area, but in a way, we've 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 already spoken about it because yeah. the, the workshop is ongoing,
1: it is ongoing. I don't know what it is about the workshop, I could never pinpoint this is why it works, this is why it's special. Um... Because it is unique. And and you know what? I don't need the answer. I just need it to keep going. We yeah. just need the workshop to keep going, needs to keep producing brilliant talent and, you know, allowing children to be exactly who they want to be. And the beautiful thing about the workshop is not everybody's going to come out and be, you know, an actor. Some are going to come out and be writers, directors, producers, artists, creatives in whatever way. They might come out and be a doctor but they'll have, you know, a personality well, to exactly. go you know, to go with it. That they
0: might go forged a confidence in them. Yeah. They could go through it and come out the other side completely different. Absolutely. But still as still more fulfilled having gone through that system. Yeah. Um, I know you said that your sister was a big inspiration, like when you were dancing and Yeah. Stuff. But did we, were we do you sort of switch it on the telly when you were younger? We, did you have to search for the the decent? No, the I don't want to say the working <laughs> class voices, but the the people that you went, oh yeah, well they're speaking to me or they're like me or I could do that.
1: Yeah,
0: that that was a an inspiration for you because more and more nowadays, I was reading the paper only yesterday. It's it's, it's middle class on the films, middle class yeah, on the yeah, television. Yeah. You, you do have to kind yeah. of try and search it.
1: Yeah, I think. When I was, I mean, when I was younger, I remember watching things like Rita Sue and Bob 2. Yeah. And Educating Rita and Kez and all those films and TV shows where you just go, what is this? Like, this is so different. And yet I love it. Yeah. Like, it's really naughty and a bit raw and really real. Yeah. You know? And it, it it just was familiar to me. And that's what I loved about it, is I was like, that's familiar, so I feel safe in in that world. Do you know what I mean? I enjoyed... But, you know, as growing up as a kid, bloody hell, like, I enjoyed watching, like, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Friends and, you know... It's all Complete escapism, the, the complete, other end of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. neighbours. You know, I'd run home from school to make sure I could watch that. And... um you know, even soaps as a kid, it was, they were on in my house all the time. So, you know, I was very aware of what was out there and what was popular and at high demand. But then when I did find these other projects all these other programmes that were on, I was really, like, taken in by them in a different way. Yeah. Where they've become memorable to me. I, I overwatched them. You know what I mean? It's like, say Stand By Me, that was a film that I watched to the death. I just couldn't stop watching it because it was like these four kids, you know, and I was big on, you know, I've always been very close with my mates and I'm big on friendship. I know that sounds like a weird thing to say, but like, you know, they're as important as your family. Of course. And I had a fierce group of mates growing up and without their support, even now, like, you know, would I still be the person I am? Blah, 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 all that sort of shit. You know, it was important to me, friendship. And that film was like, I want that, I want to make that, and I want to make it from where I'm from. Do you know what I mean? Because it was the same thing. It was like, I could relate to it. Kids dicking about, yeah. and, um, you know, a massive thing happening that just takes over their world. And
0: and how funny, because that happened. Yeah, You, no, you actually did that with yeah. thing, didn't it Yeah. Because when I was growing up, I... Uh, I was trying to look for the North West voices, the, the people. I thought, oh, well, I'm a bit like that. Or yeah. oh, look, there's David Thuris, or oh, there's Chris Eccleston. Oh, well, if they can do it, then yeah, I've yeah, got, And then at least I've got a chance. And now there'll be, uh, and I don't want to say patronising, but young young'uns yeah. switching on the telly or watching a film, and then, then they see somebody like you <clears throat> on This Is England, and then you lift up a BAFTA, and maybe that's going to spur them on. I hope on. it does. Yeah,
1: I really hope it does, and I hope... They don't think for one minute that because, you know, they haven't got the workshop near them or they haven't got, you know, Shane Meadows picking them up as a kid and and putting them into, you know, one of his films which created a friendship and a relationship and a working relationship it doesn't mean you're not going to get it. No, of if, you
0: course You know, not. there's
1: other filmmakers out there yeah. that are ridiculously talented yet to be discovered.
0: And loads of inspirational people. I loads mean,
1: of I... inspirational people. Like, I still do short films. I still work on projects that have got no budget because I, I get to work with people that, want are, like, fiercely passionate, you know, brand-new talent, a, a new way of thinking, a new way of working. And, you know, that is important to do. Yeah. It is important. You know, and I enjoy doing a short film because it's like, it's like a quick punch of get this mad story out there in like three days. So you just work your arse off.
0: And also it's a great gamble.
1: Oh, it's a great gamble. Yeah,
0: it could be a load of shit. Yeah. Or it could be great. Or it could just be a great learning experience, whatever it is. One
1: of the last Blenheim shorts I did, one of BAFTA. You know, we, I wouldn't. I, you don't even see me. No, it's me and Kate Dickey, who I've always wanted to work with. So I was like, even though we don't get to even be in the same room together, the fact that we're on the phone to each other is enough. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm doing it, and you know, it went off and did something. That's all you can hope.
0: Yeah. You know? And nowadays, anybody can make a short film. Yeah. They pick can. up the phone.
1: That's all you need.
0: Write it down. Pick it up. Yeah. Shoot it in a day. Should go go to the park and do yeah. it.
1: It's, it is a simple... We didn't like, have that when we no, were No, we didn't. Up. No, thank God, because I'm glad we didn't have mobile phones growing up, I have to say. It um, petrifies me, the thought. For the
0: first time I'm looking at these notes, can you hear that? Paper. Yeah.
1: Paper. Yeah, but at least it's paper. It's, it's nice not
0: my art, it's, right. it's from the old paper. Old-fashioned. Um, so I was researching stuff about drama schools and things like that, and there's Paul Roseby, who he was sort of at the helm of the National Youth Theatre since 2004. Yeah. And he was saying about drama schools being incredibly expensive. Mm. And he says that the majority of actors don't need three years. He says, which, and I'm, and I'm going to come out and say I disagree with this. He says, you don't need to learn how to act. You can either act or you can't. Now, in a way, all right, I agree. You've got a core, you've got, oh, there's something there. Yeah. But I do think it, it needs nurturing, yeah, as yeah, you yeah, had yeah, it yeah, with, yeah. with the, the workshop. workshop.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't think it's a case of...
0: You can either do it or you can't. You can either do yeah. it or you
1: can't. I also don't think it's a case of go to drama school, if you've got enough money, you can be um, taught from scratch how to act. Like, no. it, it doesn't matter. It, it's kind of, you know, it's like it doesn't matter how much money you've got. You can't, you know, like there's some rich folk, you can't buy style.
0: That's Do you know true. what I mean? So yeah. it's
1: like you'll go to yourself with all the money in the world and you're dressing like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you look mental.
0: I'd love to be able to sing.
1: Yeah, oh, I'd, I'd, lo- love I'd love to love be able to I'd love like, proper. I would love to be able to sing, but you can't buy it. And you you can't just go to, you know, you'd probably be able to find your voice and what is your voice, do and you know mean? And you can I mean? stay so in the kitchen stay, with a locked door by yeah. yourself. Yeah. But you could, you know, find a good karaoke song that, you know, a singing teacher could help you get to a certain place, but you're never going to be, you know... <clears throat> Whoever you aspire to be. No. Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: I don't aspire it, to be Whitney. You just, do. Like, well, you yeah, Of course.
1: Um, so I don't think it is a case of of that, but I don't, and I also don't have a problem with drama schools. No. I don't have a problem with people going to drama school. I, I completely, you know, understand respect and, you know, the the talent that comes out of those, you being one, and you know, is like...
0: There's a path for everybody. There's a
1: path for everybody. I, I just find it difficult that it's the money thing that does bother me with drama school.
0: Well, I was very lucky. I got in just, just as the grants were falling apart.
1: Oh, okay. And I was
0: just on the cusp. So yeah. So I managed to get my grant for three years and thank God I did. Yeah. But nowadays more and more people are, are being, you know let's say something like RADA, what do they do? 14 boys, 14 girls. That's right. all. Out oh, of oh, thousands, thousands,
1: thousands Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are their fees? Do we know? Uh,
0: roughly, I think it's between nine and 10,000 a year. Right. So that's just the fees. Now, forgive me if
1: yeah that right.
0: statistic is wrong, but I think it's in that ballpark. Right. So not only have you got that, you've got your rent, you've got... I mean, you live in London, know, we, one yeah. of the most expensive oh. cities in the world. <laughs> I know, I know. Because you see... Edward Kemp, who's the director of, of RADA, he's insisted not so long ago that formal training was essential. But
1: right. that's obviously
0: what... what that's all the he knows. I don't
1: know. So it's like, you know, I wouldn't want somebody to judge my path as much as I don't... You know, I don't want to go out judging people's paths because I've, I've told many people in, in, in my time, go to drama school. You know, if you can get in, then yeah. sure, go, because you will learn an awful lot about the industry, an awful lot about the skills that, you know, you you can take and use as an actor. And you'll develop them in your own unique way, as long as you stick to who you are. You know, I don't believe in changing people's accents. I don't believe in, you know, turning up with a great, you know, authentic accent that you were that you've had from a child and all of a sudden you've got to an age and then you go to drama school and all of a sudden they want to kind of like turn it into rp i just which
0: they do yeah but i don't agree with that because i feel it's
1: a bit like a tattoo you kind of do something when you're young because you feel it's like the right thing to do and then you get a bit older and go oh why did i let go of that because Mm. that's what makes me me that's my identity and you know having like thumper or winnie the pooh on your shoulder you get a bit older and go oh maybe shouldn't have done that yeah you know
0: but they do seem to think that If we change that voice to be a more of a neutral voice, then they've got more middle class uh, work out there for them. So therefore, they're going to get more work. If
1: you've gone to a drama school, um, I would assume you know, being that it's run by you know experts in in their field, and they've you know got great people there to teach the kids, they should be able to teach them to do a bit of both. You know, to be able to stick with your accent and also be able to do this accent should you need to do that. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd, it'd be a shock if anybody ever said, right, we're doing, you know, let's say they brought Downton back and I'd assume I'd be going downstairs. You know what I mean? (laughs) Why why do they say that? Well, you know. (laughs) But in the confidence that they probably wouldn't feel I'd be able to pull it off, you know, pull off this. This wonderful accent that you know, that needs to come out so eloquently. Well, I'd give it a bash. Yeah. But I'd be happy downstairs.
0: Um after Romeo brass with how long were you out of work there? Before before anything else came along. Uh, and I'm not so... talking about eight Samuels.
1: Six years? Six years.
0: Yeah. Around that six year period Did you ever think Right, of I've done
1: this. Yeah, I, I gave think... everything up. Did you? Yeah. I gave everything up. I gave up my agent. uh I And what up... did
0: they say to you when you said oh, I've had enough?
1: Nothing they nothing? nothing really, because it wasn't like I was bringing in the dollar. Um and I left workshop. For and eight what, months. At what age? I'd have been about nineteen. Um and I, I just left everything I'd had, I'd had enough of just, um, the sheer disappointment and rejection and it, yeah, I just, I, I had, I'd sort of gone, oh, I'm just going to go and live my life. And
0: did you feel you were just sort of smashing your head against a brick wall? And getting Yeah, nowhere? I just
1: kind of, I was, you know, I was young and stupid as well. You know what I mean? I was like, I was too influenced about what my mates were doing. Oh, they're all going to that. And I've got to go to this, Yeah. you know, and I was still kind of dancing. I was still at workshop. I was doing plays. There was, <clears throat> you know, the pressure was getting more. Um, I was going to London. I wasn't getting anything. I couldn't afford it. It was bloody, you know, every time I get on a train, it costs a fortune. And then you've got to buy food and a tube ticket or a, bus ticket or whatever and I just didn't have any money my mum and dad didn't have you know a bucket load of cash to just keep throwing at the situation when they go in and you know it doesn't matter how many times I go but this is it I know I'm gonna get it it's like yeah you don't know so you you know you've got to fund it yourself so I stopped everything and it was like a bit of a light bulb moment where I just was like what have I done You know what I mean? I've just wasted, like, the best part of a year fannying about, hanging out with my mates, doing bugger all, um, and I've left everything. So I rang Ian at the workshop and basically was like, I'm so sorry, I just don't know what happened there, but I have to come back. So he said, well, we'd obviously love you to come back, but you're going to have to audition.
0: Really? Yeah. So... God, I love this guy even more.
1: No, I know he's a he's a ledge. He's an absolute ledge, and he. So I thought, right, <laughs> I'm going to write my own monologue Did about you? why I'd about the time, you know, while I was off, and sort of, I don't know, it was so cheesy. And what, no, but but it,
0: <clears throat> what, again, it came from a place of truth, didn't it? It
1: came from a place of truth, and I went down to the workshop, and all my mates were there. And I had to stand up in front of them and do this monologue. And I remember falling down on the floor afterwards, just exhausted through the pressure. <laughs> and just so, you know, and Ian, like, gave me a look as if to say, you know, you're back in sort of thing. And everybody, all of them just ran over to me, we were, you know, was all just buzzing and go, yeah, she's back, you know. And then I rang my agent at Independent ICM and said, again, I don't you know, I just had to stop for a bit. Yeah. Um and they took me back. So I was really, really lucky for one, because none of them had to do any of that. You know, it was my own stupid choice. But
0: But maybe it wasn't stupid, maybe it was the maybe right it was choice. Because right sometimes thing. you yeah. you do need to step away because yeah. it can be all consuming, especially yeah, after you've been doing it for a bit.
1: Absolutely. So it was like yeah, it was good to be back and then I kind of got, you know, I uh, was doing a few bits here and there doctors you know those kind of things and and just trying Did you
0: feel did you feel invigorated when you, when you decided right no, I'm going to get back
1: Yeah I did because I felt like I was I'd lost myself a bit you know and I'm not one for being dramatic in that kind of no. you know I don't know who I am and Yeah being, yeah, yeah but, but you I know think we all I have that at yeah, some point Yeah of course and those are, you know it's hard growing up it's hard man
0: Yeah
1: I you know From the age of sort of 13 to 19, you just haven't got a clue what the hell is going on, who you you are, but you think you know everything.
0: You think it's working out exactly who you are, but you know it all anyway.
1: Yeah, it's fine. Don't need advice from you. I just do it myself. And then you're like, please give me all the advice because I have no idea (laughs) what the hell is going on.
0: And then we spend the next sort of 20 years of our life sucking up information. Give me more. Let me read this. Let me learn that. Yeah. Oh, God. So
1: bizarre, bizarre times. And then... And then I, I ended up taking on a dance school for a year because a friend oh, so of mine So the dancing was, came back? So the dancing came back around the same, same sort of time. So I was teaching dancing. Um, there was a drama class there, so I taught those, which was great fun. and we wrote our own scripts and um, put on shows, and it was brilliant. And after that, I knew that I had to stop the dancing because I had to just concentrate on on what I loved more than anything. And that was acting.
0: And did you change anything within your mindset when you went, right, I'm going back?
1: I just did, knew did there you, was certain things I didn't want or, to do. I, just, right. I remember being put up for certain things like footballers' wives and um, soaps and, and things like that. And I have so much respect for soap actors. Yeah. I really do. Because, you know, to sustain a character for that period of time, to continually learn dialogue... You know, you could go into work one day. There's been a murder, and then all of a sudden, there's a massive explosion, and then the next day, you know, you've just had a baby. But also, the it's fact just you're like, jumping
0: around a timeline and yeah, jumping around episodes. It's I just, mean,
1: your head must be, you know, fried, and yeah. it, it it requires real acting abilities to be able to 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 shoot in the speed, and they do. And so I have huge respect, and you know I was very close to being in Emmerdale at, at one point, and was very up for it. You know, very much like I basically—it's only down the road, and I get to act. That's all I want to do. And you could have and been it,
0: with Joe Gilgan. I could
1: have been with Joe Gilgan. Okay. Yeah, he was in it at the time. At the time, because he came and met me when I had my audition at the studios. It was crazy, but I knew it wasn't really what I wanted to do. I knew it wasn't the kind of shows that I wanted to get involved in. So if you look at my CV, say, on IMDb, it's not very long. But everything that's on there, I've chose to do it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think there's an illusion that there's stupid money in this industry, and there is. But, you know,
0: but I it's think not exactly. the kind
1: of stupid money that, that, you know, if you look at my CV, it's not like... um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not yeah. full of big... Budget productions, I mean, some of them have been, but they've, I've not been the lead role in them. No, you know of what course I mean? not.
0: But I think one of the things that for us as actors, that we don't have a lot of control. We're no. forever striving to get that control, but the one thing we can do is say no.
1: You know, I didn't say no growing up, because you couldn't, I couldn't really pick and choose, and I needed experience. I needed to feel what it was like to be in front of a camera, uh, to have a crew around me, to you know say like things like doctors and and they were crucial to my you know my experience because that's
0: great foundation cuz you're found, working yeah, of with course. a crew and a camera yeah. and, you know what's going on
1: so i think you've got to get out there and and sometimes you know potentially do jobs that don't set you on fire but you have to earn your crust and you have to you know you well, have to of course to... cuz
0: the the repertory theater yeah. that that happened before before even before me you know, it's not around anymore. got you, no. you can't get that training anymore.
1: Exactly. So I think there is that element of you've got to go and experience... You can't be too picky. No. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't picky at all. But then it sort of got to a place where when I was... So from, say, like the age of 19, that's when I started working in the office. And I had an office job. And they paid me a wage. Yeah. You know, it wasn't any different to a normal office wage. It was just a wage. So therefore, I could afford to look after myself and pay for my phone bill and pay for my train fares and pay for, you know, whatever it was I needed. Because I wasn't from a wealthy family where they could pay for things, for this and that, for everything, yeah. you know what I mean? Um so I got a job and that's what kept me in good stead because then I could just work and then if an audition came up, I'd take it unpaid or I take it as holiday, or whatever, and then I go to London, do my audition, nine times out of ten, didn't get the job, come back, crack on. I'm still working, I'm still earning a living. Yeah. It might not work out. This acting thing just might not work out, but I still need to have a job.
0: Because there is that constant doubt in your mind. Yeah, of
1: course. And then odd jobs had come in, and then This Is England, the film, happened when I was 21, shaved all my hair off, went to the office. <laughs> <laughs> <Hiya>. <laughs> Sorry about this. Just be temperate. <laughs> um, and then, so after that, again, thought this is it. This is gonna be fine. It's all gonna go great. Done a film with Shane. It's an amazing film. I'm fiercely proud of it. Didn't do anything. Again, just the odd things here and there. Obviously, then I did that bloody um, film with Madonna.
0: I think it's so inspiring, certainly uh, for younger people, whether they're they're training now and they're listening to this or they want to go to drama school or maybe they look at you on TV and think, oh, it's plain sailing for her, but it isn't, it's not, it isn't oh, it's like so that, not. is it?
1: It's still not. No. I don't believe it ever will be because, you know, even if somebody said to me, right, I'm just going to pass you Julie Walters' career and say that's yours forever, Jesus Christ. Like, the pressure of knowing that you've got amazing work to come up, but you've still got to nail it. You've still got to do the work. You've still got to turn up and turn up and perform. You know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't matter what job it is, whether it is a short film where there's no budget, whether it is a big BBC drama, whether it's a film, whether it's theatre, whatever it is, you've got to turn up. Yeah. That's as simple as that. And that isn't isn't easy because, you know, I wake up in a crabby mood think oh, I can't be fucking bothered, you know, or I don't really like this scene or, you know, we are, we are all human beings. It doesn't matter what job you do. Of course. You know, but the one thing you can't do in this industry is pull a sickie. No. You just, you know, unless you're dead.
0: Your legs got off. to be falling Your off. Your
1: legs literally yeah. got to be falling off. And so you've got to sustain it. And whilst you've got that job, because you don't know when the next one's coming, if you haven't got anything lined up afterwards, you've got to you know go in there and be like right
0: <laughs> I think one of the many things w- when I was trading that was absolutely smacked into me was be punctual
1: oh god Because once that
0: oh. if you're not there I would get there 10 minutes before if you're not there I remember running late once for drama school Got there, like a minute past, or even seconds past the hour. Doors locked. I can see people.
1: No, just a wave
0: of the hand. You're out of there. You're gone for the day.
1: Ian Smith at the workshop was exactly the same. Um, And And you're the one that's losing out. You know better than anyone. I. I'm so punctual. Oh, my like, God. i if you say you're meeting me at nine o'clock, I'm there at quarter to, and annoyed you're not there at five two. I
0: hate to. Say the word, <laughs> I hate to say the word anal, but, yeah, yeah probably. Yeah, I know.
1: And it, that's been drilled into me just because my family are renowned for being on time anyway. Were
0: well, you pissed off when I was two minutes late for
1: this podcast? I'm not even going to talk about it oh on, on air. Oh, my God. to <laughs> do But it's definitely done me a... A, a good, you know, it's put me in good stead for this industry because, you know, the hours are insane. Yeah, you do have to make sure, you know, you're on time and and you, and know. Keep you safe have to be fit. professional. You have to be professional. Yeah, you know, yeah, keep fit. Do it, you know. I'm always in the gym. Sure. Always sure, in the sure. gym. <laughs>
0: Never seen a burger through your mouth. <laughs> well,
1: well, just... When am I going to go to the gym? When is this day going to appear? I've seen
0: that. I've it's just it's been not happening for happen. about seven or eight years, no, as I far don't. as I know. <laughs> I think you've got lovely gym gear, but actually
1: <laughs> got really nice Adidas trainers. Yeah, that sat there.
0: They've never seen a treadmill I've in the line. Um, with, I know you're really you're quite active on social media. Sure. And in this day and age, <laughs> of, <laughs> yes, yes of, yes. of, you know, because you, probably are an inspiration for for young kids. Do you ever get uh, letters through the post or requests through social media? Asking for funds for to train to help them, or
1: I can't say I've ever had anyone asking me for money. Right, um, I've had loads of people ask me for advice um, or interviews for their dissertations and, and things like that. And I have done, you know, a, what you can, what I can. Yeah, you know, it's, it is it is impossible. Uh, social media is. I, I love social media for a lot of reasons. In other in other ways, it can be a dangerous place to be because you know you're accessible. Um, for, for lots of different things. And, you know, I think it's dangerous to open the floodgates because, you know, I've got things, I've got work on, I've got stuff to do. It's like I can't... I wish I could, but I can't give myself to everybody. Um But I certainly do what I can. And, you know, people will just ask for, like, pills of wisdom for the industry, and I always go back saying the same thing, which is just stick to who you are. Yeah. Because it, you are the most interesting thing to them. And I remember going to auditions back in the day, and I, I'd try and change my accent slightly, you know, make it less knots, and um, just try and be really overly lovely and polite, not that I'm not,
0: <laughs> but, you know... No, I can vouch for just that. Just
1: try and be something I'm not and and talk about things that I didn't really find interesting, which I was just trying... You know, it's a bit like, can you ride a horse? Yes. <laughs> you know? Good at
0: trampolining. Yeah. You betcha.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, just basically be a yes-man. Um, I think it's, I think it's important to go into any meeting or in any situation to be honest and be and say, Oh no, I'm not really into his films, but, um, you know, I can appreciate why people like them. Like, you know, I'm not really into star Wars and stuff like that. I'm not really into Harry Potter. So people go, what? you don't? don't want... yeah. you know, it's like, no, I'm not. And that's all right. Like I can't be involved in everything. We can't all be everything to everybody. Well, and, the world would be a boring place. Well, it would. Yeah. And I just think people, um, you know, if you go into an audition and you try and be one thing and you get the job and then you get on set and you end up being yourself and they go, hold on, you're not what I met in the room. And then you're fucked.
0: That seems like a lovely, natural way to end it.
1: Oh, is this it? I'm uh, oh, sad. Okay, That Thank was really you. high-pitched in and i
0: <laughs> ears bleeding, dogs yeah, legging it out, Sorry,
1: guys, what an I've just it knocked my
0: mic, it's all disaster mic. here it's um, disaster. thanks so much, that's been brilliant, it's
1: been a pleasure happy days
0: right, so that was it, our first podcast, our first two shot podcast under our belt with the brilliant Vicky McClure the brilliant and very honest, I think that was a lovely free flowing chat, exactly what we wanted to do um, so thanks so much for listening, look, if you want to Follow us, you can do that Twitter, Instagram, it's the same at Two Shot Pod. Uh, Facebook, just search the Two Shot Podcast. Now, if you want to get in touch, ask a question, tell us it's a load of rubbish, actually don't do that. But you can email if you want to say something nice, it's Two twoshotpod at gmail.com. Uh, massive thanks to Vicky for coming on. Thanks to the use of her kettle and kitchen and the sun in Nottingham. And a massive thank you to producer Griff. Uh, All this would not be possible without him. Uh, And a huge thank you. This episode uh, is in conjunction with The Splicing Block. That is www.splicingblock.com. Check that out. And I'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers.